What is up, everybody? Thank you for joining the So I Was Thinking podcast. Podcast. <laughs> this is Felipe, joined by my co-host Rowan. What's up, Rowan? What's up, my peeps? How are you doing today? I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> we are in the middle of monsoon season here in Wisconsin. It's been raining all Out day here today. In the podcast. In the podcast. Uh, and uh, you going somewhere? <laughs> Nah, I just had to fix my shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, hey, this is season three. Episode two of season three. Thank you for sticking with us along this journey. This episode is brought to you by Rabbit Hole Records. Listen, Ooh. my friend Chris is one of the best in the business. If you need an album recorded, he's the guy. If you want to record something weird like an audio cookbook, he's your guy. If you... Uh, shoot, can't oh. go with that first thought. <laughs> if you... <laughs> Uh, listen, if you have ever wondered what it's like to have Chef Gordon Ramsay yell at you and only you, Chris can get him on a Skype call, have him record uh, his vulgar insults, and have them be played back specifically to you in high fidelity, all for the low, low price of whatever he's going to charge you. Fun fact about Chris. Fun fact about Chris. Gordon Ramsay actually raised him um, <laughs> after he rescued Chris from... A pack of wolves. So that's that explains pretty... why Chris yells at us all the time. Yeah, he's such a great guy. Yeah, shout out Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> shout out Gordon Ramsay. Chris is a adoptive uh, stepfather that raised him from the wolves. Stepfather? Does After... that just make him his father? No, I don't, I don't think that's how step uh, <laughs> works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Legend of Chris, everybody. Keep track. There's going to be a test at the end of season two, three, four. At some point. <laughs> um, hey, we are continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, last week or two weeks ago, last episode, we did. Uh, we started with the Beatitudes. We were looking at Matthew chapter five and uh, we started with the section on the Beatitudes and how that is actually the norm for the kingdom. It's mm -hmm. not It's not just Jesus saying some random things and some cool verses. It is Jesus describing the norm of the kingdom. And today we're going to look at... Sorry, oh, here we go again. Season, season three, can we're you, back like, with the burps. Control. <clears throat> I wish yeah. I could. I have less of a cough today, though, so you can tell because I'm talking a lot more right off the bat. Anyway. Look at you go. Yeah. Uh, so we started with uh, the very beginning of Matthew chapter 5, if you want to follow along. But today we are doing the Sermon on the Mount. We're looking at... Uh, nope. We're looking yeah, at we verses 13 yep. through 16. And we're titling this uh, Salt and the Light. Salt or, and Light. Because this is the analogy Jesus uses, right? He uses the analogy of salt and the analogy of light. And we, we're really going to dig deep into why he chose those specific um man metaphors I there think. it is yeah that's what it is let's look at it I'm matthew chapter speaker. 5 uh verses 13 through 16 jesus says this you are the salt of the earth 
But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Ooh. So what is Jesus trying to say there, Felipe? I think I think it's it's important that we start with salt and then go on to light. Uh, fun fact, um, Jesus says that salt cannot lose its saltiness, but we were looking this up. We, we are doing a lot of research for season three. So much research. Uh, and sodium chloride, which is table salt, which is the salt that you probably have in your home, that actually cannot lose its saltiness. It's the chemical compound of whatever... Sodium and chloride. Yeah. <clears throat> and and however that works, it cannot lose its saltiness. But the salt in Jesus's day was from mines and it wasn't purified and it wasn't changed and it wasn't like nothing was done to it. And so that salt could lose its saltiness. Um, but Jesus is trying to say here from that first part, well, I think we have to understand that like Anytime that Jesus talked about stuff like this, he talked to a crowd of people and he tried to use analogies and parables that they would easily understand, right? And so for them, you know, like they had the imagery of salt because salt was something that was used in their culture, not just to season season food, but to preserve fruit. I actually learned this the other day. I watched a YouTube video on it and why kosher salt is called kosher salt. And it's not because like it's special and it's kosher in the sense that like it's been blessed by a rabbi and it meets all the dietary guidelines, but it's used to make food kosher as in follow the dietary guidelines of the Jewish people. Right. So the kosher salt helps make food kosher because you're able to preserve it. So those thick grains of salt, if you put it on beef, if you put it on chicken, if you put it on fish, it helps to preserve it. And so that makes the food kosher and, and safe to eat. Um, so they they knew exactly what Jesus was talking about uh, when they when he started off with this uh, metaphor. Um, but the thing is, Jesus is talking to his disciples, right? So now we're talking about like we've gone from the norms and the rules of the kingdom with the Beatitudes. And we're talking about like, what does it look like for a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus to actually live out that kingdom um, narrative in that kingdom lifestyle. And he starts by saying true salt doesn't lose its saltiness just as true disciples can't lose their effectiveness. Mm. That's good. That's so good. Because so just for a quick clarification, when he's saying you in these passages, he's not talking to like a specific person in the crowd or he's not talking to the 12 disciples he's talking to all of jesus's followers yeah not the royal you which includes everybody yeah he's talking to if you're a follower of jesus this is what you do and this uh what jesus is saying here is he's making a statement about what we should look like as followers Mm. so when going back to the salt analogy um pure salt true salt is uncontaminated and it's pure right and that will never lose its saltiness. And so that true salt doesn't lose its saltiness because of its purity. Um, so what we have to, using the salt analogy, what we have to be careful of is what are we letting contaminate 
us? Oh, what are we good. letting? Because it's when those impurities come into that salt that that salt becomes, it starts to lose its saltiness. The more impurities there are, the more the faster the salt will turn and become all dry and just useless, right? Yeah. So what are we letting contaminate our lives? What are we letting contani- contaminate us and keeping us from speaking the gospel and speaking the truth of Jesus, right? Is it what we're listening to, who we're friends with, like what we watch, what we do on the weekends when nobody's holding us to anything, how we speak about other people. What is contaminating you and how can you fix it? Because what contaminates you is going to end up uh, affecting the way people start to see Jesus because we're a reflection of who Jesus is, right? That's good. Um, And not only that, when we were doing research about this, this actually like, um, you know, like when you have those Bible verses or just those stories that you hear over and over and over again, that like they start to lose their meaning in a sense. And not that this has ever lost meaning, but after a while, it just becomes like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just not vintage, but, uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like antique. a, like, yeah, antique. And it's like a fond memory in a sense where you're like, ah, oh, I remember this story. It's a good one. You know, like I remember this passage of the Bible. It's a good one. I don't know. I sound like Mario. It's a me, a Mario. Anyway, uh, like you're reading, you know, like you read it so many times that you're like, oh, okay, sure. And, you know, like I probably have it underlined and highlighted in my Bible app. I probably have it underlined in my, you know, one of my physical Bibles. But like I had never gotten this perspective before. So like when this we're about to like jump way far ahead until probably some point later in season three when we talk about some of the things that Paul had to say. But um, Paul later writes about how in Jesus we are uh, we are called to the ministry of reconciliation in the book of Revelation. Um, that's not Paul anymore, but like the book of Revelation is um, the story of of God being exalted above all and then him making the world right again. And so ever since, right, like the fall of Adam, sin has contaminated the world and sin has broken the world and sin has entered the world. And ever since the work of the cross where Jesus defeated sin and death forever, he has been working using each and every single one of us to restore the world to how it should be. And so he's making things right again. And the, the cool thing when Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth is that salt also, like I was saying before, like it preserves meat, it prevents and it slows down decay. Mm -hmm. And when you think about like this world where Jesus says that this world is already gone to evil and this world is already lost, but he is coming to make the world new again. And he is working to make the world new again. And he is, you know, like started this process and this ministry through us and through the church and through his followers of, of making things right and of making things whole again. Um, you see that sin almost seems to be working just as hard, right? Like, so like, I think in culture today and in life today, we have so much that is working against not just Christianity, the religion and the organization, but what Jesus is doing and what Jesus says is right. Like, right. So you have this opinion and Jesus says, this might be controversial. He says, Jesus says that, you know, like that we are made in the image of God, both man and female. And then you have all the different gender genders that are popping up, or you have, you know, what Jesus says about sexuality and marriage. And then you have all these opposing views, or you have what Jesus says about racism, that we're all one in Jesus. And then you have all these different views that, you know, try to distort that too. all of these different opposing visions that seem to be working overtime nowadays. And then, you know, like you have this, this, 
this verse where Jesus says, no, you are the salt of the earth. You are the things that I will use to prevent and slow down decay. Mm, that's good. So as things are fighting against Christian, like not as things are fighting against Jesus's mission to make things right again, we are the ones that fight to slow down the decay, to, to fight against the, the, the death and the corruption and the rot that sin brings we're the ones that slow down to decay. And I had never read that before. And I like that has never stood out to me in that way before. And when it did, I was like, that is so cool because of what we're actually called to do as followers of Jesus is to work in this ministry of reconciliation, like Paul says it, to bring the world back, to bring earth back, to bring humanity back, to restore right relationship with God across nature, across humanity, across, you know, like cultures and all that stuff. We are meant to restore godly relationship between us and God and how God intended it to be. And, and we're called the salt of the earth, not just because of, of its effect on food in the sense of taste, but its effect on food in the sense of preserving it and preventing rot and decay. And yeah. seeing that, I thought it was so, so cool. And for me, just as a young person, right? I've always heard this, like, you don't need to be a missionary to follow God. You don't need to stand on a stage to follow God. But the more and more I read the Bible, it's not like I can go about living a normal life and still continuing to follow God or follow Jesus because I need to spread the gospel. And so that's always the perception I have. But this has an interesting take on it. So I don't need to go in evangelical evangelize evangelize all yeah. of my friends i don't need to make christ followers of every single person i've ever met in my life i what i need to do what my job is what my calling is is to stop decay right and stop the decay of sin in this world so i don't need to well, i had a point in here and i'm trying to get it back because that's starting to lose me but like if I see if I see sin in something, my job is to call it out. If I see a friend of mine who's uh, who I know is a Christian and who I can hold to the standard of Christianity, and I see him living in sin, it's my job to stop that decay and to preserve him mm. from the sin that's gonna contam contaminate him and make his salt less effective. Really leaning yeah. into the salt metaphor here, but. So I need to stop that decay. And so wherever you see decay, whether it's in yourself, whether it's in your family, whether it's within your friend group or your church or wherever, you your job is to stop that decay. Where you see sin, you need to cut it off, right? Because yeah. we, when we were talking about, uh, when we were defining God, one thing, uh, let's see if you guys remember this, this was on the test, but God hates sin vehemently. Yeah, there it is again. We like that word, but God absolutely hates all sin. He wants to get rid of sin entirely. He wants to be completely separate from it, and he wants us to be completely separate from it. So that if we want to look like Jesus, if we, we want to look like God, we also need to completely separate ourselves from sin. Absolutely. And so we need to cleanse sin from everything we associate with. And so that's the that's the, like the mission. We don't have to... Getting up on stage, all the pastors and big preachers, they're great, you know? They're great when TikTok shows you a video of, like, some really good sermon, and you're like, oh, cool, mm -hmm. or whatever. But 
for us as just regular people, because not all of us are going to be missionaries. Not all of us are going to be, you might feel like a calling to be a missionary and that's perfectly fine. That's not for everybody though. That sounds like hell for me, but, uh, you don't have to be like some big preacher of Hillsong or whatever you can, as long, like, as long as you focus on stopping the decay around you yeah. and being able to build on that and constantly, constantly stop the decay by sharing the gospel and sharing Jesus's love and just cleansing people of sin, yeah. in, including yourself. Yeah, that's good. Uh, but then salt also has like another purpose, right? Like we use salt all the time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Cue that TikTok video about the guy saying that he puts salt in his food and it's super spicy. And he's called anyway. Um, <laughs> it was you had to be there. Uh, but um, where was I going with that? Oh, I was watching. It might have been a TikTok or it might have been YouTube. I watch a lot of cooking videos regardless of where I am because I love food. But um, it was talking about how like all of um, like your favorite foods from your favorite restaurants, they use two ingredients the most to make you love that food. And it's salt and butter. Like if like, so your favorite steak from your favorite steakhouse probably has a ton of salt and a ton of butter. And it's good because it makes, you know, like it makes the food that much better, right? Like, um, you know, like at least in, at least in Brazil, sorry, there's like a fuzzy that was tickling my lip. Uh, at least in Brazil, like any, or with like my family back in New York, um, you know, like steak seasoning or steakhouse seasoning isn't really a thing when we do barbecues. It's a slab of meat and then salt, right? And that we let like the meat season itself along with the salt. And then like, you just still get a really good barbecue out of it. Um, you don't need to add all this extra stuff not that it doesn't taste good with all the extra stuff but it Mm -hmm. just tastes really really good with salt and so when you think about like your favorite foods from your favorite restaurant chances are that it just has a ton of salt and a ton of butter but like it makes you want more right and i think i think if we are being salty um and this is the only time i'm going to tell somebody to stay salty but the only way we can change the world on top of that is to make people um want more of Jesus, right? So like my relationship uh, with other people in my life, if I am being the salt of the earth, I get people around me curious for Jesus. Um, I get people around me to sit down and want to have a conversation about Jesus, right? Like if I'm, if I am truly salty, and other thing about salty is if you eat a lot of chips, what happens? Like you get thirsty, You know, like that's actually a trick at bars is that they put peanuts and pretzels at the bar so that you buy more beer or that you buy more drinks. Because the more you eat that salty stuff, the thirstier you are and you keep drinking. Right. And so Mm -hmm. like so like salt is is both good and bad um, in that sense, you know, because like also high cholesterol, but or high sodium, whatever the thing is that you when you get your old. Um, But, you know, like it is also meant to to like it, it. it makes you thirsty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if we are being like the salt of the earth, not only are we preventing decay, but like this sounds weird, but we should be making people thirsty for Jesus, like thirsty for a relationship with Jesus. Like there should be something different about us in the sense of like, there is something like when you look at somebody who's following Jesus, like their relationship with Jesus should be attractive. Right. Like when you know when you know somebody and I'll never forget this. So um, uh, one of one of the pastors that I had in my life 
um, who recently passed away, Pastor Norm, he was one of the greatest men I've ever met. And one of the things that I loved about him uh, was at the time that I met him, maybe six years ago, um, he had just started a, a fight with uh, Alzheimer's. And as his mind slowly started to slip away and things became very, um, uh, like stories started melting together and, and stories just kind of like his life was just like one big story, didn't really have like different time periods or like he couldn't really distinguish certain things. The one thing that remained consistent was his relationship with Jesus. Like I remember being at dinner with him. I remember being at lunch with him. I remember being at church with him. And if you ask him to pray, like if you ask him a story, if you're like, you know, if Rowan were to go up to him and be like, and Rowan got to meet him, uh, you know, like a few times, but you ask him about something at his house that you would see or whatever, he could tell you a story and it had nothing to do with like, he, you know, like he had, a, he had this fish on his wall and it's, it's, it's kind of like a running joke that like the, he has like this taxidermied fish on one of his walls and he, he makes up a story that has nothing to do with how that fish got there. And nobody tells him because it's like it's not worth fighting over because he has Alzheimer's. And and so like the story and how that fish got there and the story that he tells along the way, they just all don't make sense. But the one thing that remained about him was his relationship with Jesus, because when you would ask him to pray for the food, it was like he was talking to his best friend. It was like he was talking to Jesus. Hmm. Like he knew Jesus and he had known Jesus his whole life. And, and if anything remained true in his life, and if anything remained when all of the other stories got blurry, it was his relationship with Jesus. Um, there's another pastor that I knew back in New York and he was old, like, and I love older guys when they have like relationships with Jesus that are real, because like you see like, um, the length of, of time that is gone. And it's like, as they get older, they know Jesus more and they know Jesus better. And it starts to like reflect in their lives. It starts to reflect in how they talk. It starts to reflect in what it like, what the atmosphere is like when you're around them, you know, like you meet some people and it's just like a bad vibe or, or they're just weird or they're annoying or whatever the case might be. But like you get around some old dudes that know Jesus and it's like, I feel like you might actually be old enough to know Jesus. And it's not that they're ancient. It's that they've spent time with him. Yeah. And they like in the conversations that I've had with them, uh, both Pastor Norm and Pastor John in New York, I want to know Jesus more. Yeah. I want to know Jesus how they know Jesus. That's cool. And I think that leads into the second part of this, uh, these verses, which is we are the light, right? Hmm. If we're... Uh, if we're making Jesus seem so good, if being around you makes Jesus seem like, let's use you for example, if being around Pastor Norm made you like, made you on fire for Christ and you went home, how are you going to spread that light, right? How are you going to like use that light that they put in you and illuminate the world? Because, and Jesus says, you don't light a lamp and then cover it up mm. or you don't like you can't hide a city on a hill when you fly when you fly anywhere you know when you're going over a city because of like the lights especially at night the lights just illuminate the whole city and you can it's really cool flying over and this is what jesus is saying right because if someone makes you on fire for christ why would you put that away why wouldn't you spread that yeah more and more and more 
And so I think that's really cool that you have that experience with those pastors. And I encourage, like, if people have that experience with somebody, go and use that experience to spread the gospel because you have this light and you don't want to hide it from other people. Uh, But then also not just go and find that person and don't hide the thing, but, like, be that person, right? Like, be the one that makes Jesus attractive. Mm -hmm. Be the one that, like... When people are around you, they can look at you and be like, man, there's just something different about you. I don't know what it is, but it's something different about you. So we look, um, interestingly enough, when we read the Beatitudes and when we, or sorry, now when we read the Sermon on the Mount and we get to this section in Matthew chapter 5, this is the one of the only times, I think, or maybe the only time that Jesus uses the salt metaphor that the disciples had written down. Matthew's the only one that wrote wrote it down, but um, this light part, Mark wrote it down and so did Luke. Um, So Jesus says on different occasions, you know, this is probably one of the sermons that Jesus had on repeat um, because it was good. And three different people wrote it down to say that you are the light um, uh, of the world. And what does that mean? And we're going to go over that because we we looked at that too. Um, So think of like, we don't really... Do we have this here in the states of a place that I, I mean, I think you, I think you mentioned it. Like when you fly, I think that's the easiest way to say it. Like when you fly over a city, you see it. But like with Jesus, when he was talking about, like again, he's using metaphors and analogies that people in his day and time understand, and he's saying uh, he's probably referring to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is on a hill. Right. And so at night when people are up and awake and they have, you know, like they have people and soldiers patrolling the wall to make sure that nobody like if you're going up to Jerusalem, you can see it from from far away and you'll see a city on a hill because it's on a hill. Number one, so it's elevated. Number two, when people are there, like the lights are on in the city. Right. So like you you draw attention to yourself. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. I had something there. Oh, I was thinking about like when you were saying that, I was thinking about Jerusalem. Number one, Jesus is putting that analogy for those people that he was actually talking to. But I've, you know, I'm from New York. I've flown over New York at night or I've flown into New York so many different times. And it's true. Like when you're when you're flying over a big city, you notice it right away versus when I'm flying into Wisconsin and I'm flying over like tons of farm or whatever for a while. Like you just don't know what's under you. But mm-hmm. when you look and you can, you know, like for me, at least when I'm flying over Chicago, for example, and I get there, it's like, oh, that's definitely Chicago, you know? Chicago. How do, uh, how are you supposed to say it? Chicago. Chicago. I said Chicago. Chicago. Is that what I said? Yeah. I'm getting ruined. If you're from New York, comment on the video and tell Felipe. Point out my U- Wisconsin accent. Yeah, tell Felipe he has a Uber accent. Oh, God. Stanley, Vinny, start making <laughs> I'm giving you guys material. <laughs> um, but let's get back to this because Jesus is pretty um he says he says something here in verse 16 that actually is pretty interesting. He says, In the same way let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. And that's how he ends it. So he doesn't say we have this idea in modern day Christianity, and I think we need a we need to uh Oh, there it is again. We need to put context into it because we have the idea that like uh, religion is bad because it's all works and it's no relationship. But Jesus is telling us 
let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God. And we have this idea that works is bad and relationship is good. But even James, Jesus' brother, says that religion without works, faith without works is dead. Um, So um, what the disciples need to show, what the people of the kingdom of God need to show is their good works so that people can see Jesus. And good works don't get us into heaven. But they show others who God is, and it allows us to put our money where our mouths are, right? Like if if I say that I one of my one of the passages like that used to challenge me a lot is uh, in First John um, uh, chapter two, maybe where Jesus says, "How can you?" Or when John writes, "How can you say that you love God who you don't see, but you hate your neighbor who you see, or you hate your brother?" who you see all the time. My mom always used to tell me that when I used to get into fights with my sister, because uh, she would be like, oh, you say you're a Christian, but you say you hate your sister, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like that's a that's a real example, though, because like how can how can I He's and even John said it, it how can how can God how can I love God who I don't see, but I hate the people around me that I do see, right? Like Jesus calls us to live in such a way that we are living at peace with one another. We talk about it in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers for they are the children of God. And, and, and how can I live these kingdom norms and live these kingdom rules um, or at least know them and then not do anything about them? We can't be the light and, and not do anything about it. It would be like if some, it would be like putting, lighting a candle and putting it in a basket just like Jesus uses in his analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Like it would be just like that. Like the way that God has affected our lives should show, um, not for the sake of like showing off like those people that go on mission trips just for the pictures, but in the way that like your coworkers can tell that there's something about you, the way that like the people in your life, your family can tell that there's something different about you. Your friends can look at you and they see more of Jesus. Like, like your works should exemplify and point to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to bring up this quote from Sir Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Yes. Bonhoeffer? Try to kill Hitler. He did try anyway. to kill Hitler. I feel like you got to tell that story. Do you know this story? I don't know the story. Dietrich Bonhoeffer okay. was a crazy theologian during World War II. He was a German theologian. He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. If you like, if you want to know God better, read that book. It is very hard to read. Um, I'm letting you know right now, get through the first four chapters and power through the rest. It will change your life. Um, some of the things that he has to say, but in following Jesus, he lived in Germany during the world war two. He's following Jesus. And at that point, like, um, not only were they killing people and he's like, there's something wrong about this, but he, and along a group of other pastors tried to assassinate Hitler and he tried to do it a bunch of times. Um, eventually I, I think he got killed for trying to kill Hitler, but as a Christian, he was like, I know murder is wrong. I know I shouldn't kill people, but it's Hitler (laughs) anyway. So he says flight into the flight into the invisible is a denial of the call. A community of Jesus, which seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. Mm. And this is exactly what we're talking about. If you know the, if you know the gospel, then you know Jesus. And like, to hide that from everybody else is denying the call that Jesus has put onto your life. And to, like, 
deny that or deny that calling, you have ceased to follow him. So it's kind of like a catch-22 because if you follow him, then you need to follow his call. But if you don't follow his call, then you're not following him. So you're following mm-hmm. him, but not really. And so this is where you can see lukewarm Christians versus real Christians, right? Because lukewarm Christians, like we were talking about before. Callback. Yeah. Uh, they fly into the invisible and deny their call and they, they hide themselves. And so they have ceased to follow Jesus. That is not a sustainable way to live out your calling in Jesus Christ because you're media, you're riding the fence. You go to church every Sunday. You, or for me, uh, you go to youth every Wednesday, but on Thursday or on Monday, you're doing the same exact thing, things all of your non-Christian friends are doing. Yeah. Like you need to pick a side and what Bonhoeffer saying, which when you know Bonhoeffer's story, uh, like living in Germany during World War Two, you needed to be very firm in what you believe in. You needed to be a real follower in order for you to make a difference. And yeah. so I think that's super cool. <clears throat> also, this quote, as we were doing our study thing. So <clears throat> um, we talked about how the Beatitudes are the kingdom rules and the kingdom norms. And so we came across this phrase that I think spells it out so beautifully that the kingdom norms work out or work themselves out in in the lives of kingdom heirs, the followers of Jesus, as to produce the kingdom witness. So if we are living according to the Beatitudes, um, then it works out in our lives so that we bring out Jesus to the rest of the world and we can can point it out. Um, Yeah. It's good. Uh, one last point to kind of wrap it all up. Going back to that decay metaphor we were talking about when we were talking about salt, like sin darkens the world and sin decays. That's all sin is. It's darkness and decay and it's separation from God. Mm-hmm. So our calling is to be the light, to illuminate the sin darkened world. And uh, it says that withdrawal, withdrawal from the world uh, does not lead anybody to glorify the Lord in heaven, right? So when we when we take things from the world and try to preach with that, you're not going to lead anybody to glorify heaven. If you look like everybody, transform, conform, right? If you look like everybody else and yet you're preaching to be different with the gospel, nobody's going to listen to you. It's like, who are you, who are you more apt to, to believe? Somebody who yeah. tells you to... Or who are, your, who are you more apt to listen to? Somebody who tells you to go feed the poor or somebody who uh, actually helps out the poor and actively is like every Friday is just going to the food pantry or whatever and helping out the poor and needy, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to listen to the person who puts their money where their mouth is or time yeah. or whatever. So be that person who goes out of their way to really live out what they're preaching because that's the end goal be the light be the salt rick rick what i think this might have been one of my favorite episodes because of all of the Analogies. just like the research that we did like especially that one part i'm gonna i know we said we were gonna wrap it up but that one part where um the delay the decay you know what maybe we should title this episode delay the no we shouldn't i'm gonna make a t-shirt so that says delay the decay with some salt on it Oh, it's going to look so salty. Oh, stay salty, my friends. So, 
It's going to be lit. Oh. Snap. That's right, man. That's right, baby. Uh, yeah, it is going to be lit. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, this is this has been a good series so far. Well, yeah. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, listen, stay if tuned you for the next part, yep, stay tuned for part three, um, which we're not recording right after this episode, because you know, uh, that's what we do here. We we definitely don't sit and record multiple episodes at the same time because you know we like to stay funky fresh um so anyway if you like this episode why don't you like and share uh that's on youtube yeah Yeah. check us out on the youtubes if you're a spotify listener go ahead hit share put it on your instagram story you can do that you can send it on snapchat you can you can send it on text message you can post it to facebook you can share this podcast with so many people i think you should uh, otherwise, we will find you, uh, Absolutely. and we will do it for you. Uh, yeah. Thank you, by the way. In a less aggressive fashion, uh, sharing it, liking it, all that stuff really helps us grow, really helps. That's the biggest thing you guys can do to support us. Uh, check us out on like TikTok. Instagram. Uh, Instagram. Yeah. We have a merch store if you really want to support us. Uh, you can also go to... So I was thinking podcast.com. Yes, where you can become a supporter. Uh, shout out to all of our current supporters. Absolutely. Y'all are fantastic. The best. We need more of y'all, though. We need a So I Was Thinking army uh, so that we can take over if the world. If you become a s- supporter, we'll send you guns. We can't do that. Uh, FBI, if you're <laughs> listening, we can't. We're not doing that. We will send you gum. How about that? Uh so we'll also send you dragons i like that i could do that we could do that there he goes again all right all right stay kizzy why do you keep saying that i don't know stay tuned stay tuned for the next episode we love you peace